everybody, you are listening to another episode of Atomic Shot. I am your host, Ben, a.k.a. The Marvelous Siggy, and joining me is Chief Godzillaologist, Tyler. Tyler, welcome back, buddy. Yeah, and uh, thanks for bringing up the fact that I got uh, attacked last week. But uh, thankfully, I uh, got cured of uh, that uh, weird liquid metal that went into my body. By the way, on an unrelated note, uh, would you like to hear the word of our Lord and Savior, King Ghidorah? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Very good, very good, Tyler. I love you. This is why I love you. This is why we work good together. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it is finally here the uh, tr- uh, the finale of the Netflix trilogy of Godzilla animated movies. Uh, this is possibly the best one, in my opinion. Just kind of jumping the gun right there. This is Godzilla, the Planet Eater, which. You know that I think has the I think we I think for the most part except for the first one they have these movies have really cool names uh, instead of like typical Godzilla versus it's these are these are really unique names. Uh, wouldn't you agree, Tyler? Yeah, um, I'll agree. They're they're way more creative than any of the versus titles. Uh, even though you can't beat those. All right, so let's break it down. Uh, this was directed by Godzilla the Planet Eater. This was directed by Kobun Shizuno. And uh, Hiroyuki uh, Shishida, produced by Takashi Yoshizawa, screenplay by Gen Urubochi, and story by also Gen Urubochi, starring Mamoru Miyano, Takahiro Sakurai, Tomakuza Sugida, and Yuki Kaji, music by Takayuki Hatori. Uh, and this was released in November uh, 3rd, uh, November 9th in 2018 in Japan. We Americans didn't get it until 2019. Um, and uh, this was a runtime of 90 minutes with a box office of 1.5 million yen. So now, after returning to Earth and Planet of the Monsters and seeing that Godzilla is basically become the planet and is now 3,000 meters tall or 300 meters tall or 1,000 feet tall. And the Bill of Salute solution of becoming mechanized nanomachine warriors did not turn out and Mechagodzilla City failed. Godzilla remains standing tall because of course he does yeah you can't have a godzilla film without godzilla after all so as we've kind of alluded to medfeast has been in the background scheming he never really been stated what but just the way he talks in both the english and japanese dub i watched it in english today because i think med because just because of medfeast's voice actor um like clearly uh, up to something they keep mentioning this god and of course the stinger at the end of the last movie was uh haruo uh or, or rather um Metfis slowly approached haruo and whispered the name of the being that destroyed this planet which is Ghidorah exactly or Ghidorah as it's said in Japanese so now this is the coming of the planet destroyer this is the full the, the basically this is the culmination of the series and the ultimate uh foration of Medfis's plan for both Haruo the planet earth and Godzilla itself uh so let's kind of break it down because there's not a lot of story but I think there's actually a lot of good stuff here surprisingly I think that I uh, so uh kind of picks off right after a little shortly after the last movie ended um where on the ship where uh, one, the one remaining member of the Blue Saludo is like basically telling the other other people in the council that uh, Haruo should be put to death um, because he was voiced he... by Roro Norizoro in the Japanese version, by the way. Nice, very nice. Um, who is that for anybody who may not know, including me? He he is the first mate in uh, in the One Piece, the guy nice. that uses the three swords. Nice. Okay. Awesome, Mister Green Haired Dude, um, as I like to call him. 
Uh, so it basically, like, they're kind of having their own inner struggle there. Meanwhile, um, on the ground, they're sort of trying to deal with their implications of the fact that um, that they no longer have the means to fight Godzilla and, and everything like that. So, meanwhile, Haruo, because of his defiance to not become the monster, and it basically allowed... Well, he didn't allow the nanomachines. It was the, the aura stuff on him uh, that didn't allow him to become uh, metalized. Uh Medfis has kind of been spinning a tale with his followers that Haruo is this chosen hero. And that because he rejected the way of the Bill of Saludo and retained his humanity, Haruo has instead, has instead bypassed the level of monster and has basically attained cult-like god status among the, the Exif followers and the Exif themselves. This motherfucker spreading his religion like general herpes. Pretty much. And so, like, there's even, like, a, a crazy scene where one of the followers of the Exif... Uh, and they're all humans, by the way, because I think there's only two members of the Exif. Metfleece and this other guy who's on the ship. And, like, comes up to him and goes, like, it was divine will that you survived. And the reason why Captain... Uh, um, uh, uh, the the female captain from last movie, the reason why she didn't survive is because she succumbed to her her uh, the evil of the Bill of Saludo. Uh, you didn't, so you're good. And like, oh my god, Hadoro wanted to fucking deck his lights out uh, for talking about his uh, his girlfriend at that point like that. Um, Understandable. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, and and and, and I'm kind of over saving this. So that basically shapes the movie. What also shapes the movie is that the scientists uh, basically kind of lays the idea down that and this kind of becomes travel with the rest of the movie that like you know obviously that the idea of the reason why we have these monsters is because we woke them up with uh, atomic energy and all this stuff but but rather uh tyler do you have what exactly the the scientists uh said i remember what it was okay uh basically his rationale is what if uh, this uh, Godzilla coming wasn't a freak accident and that everything that was building up uh, was meant for him? Like, right. Uh, like, uh, like humanity just uh, being bred just to feed Godzilla's needs. Exactly. And it's just like, and of course, like the other guy is like, whoa, 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 don't let Captain, don't let Haru, Captain Sakagi or Haruo know about that because that would just fuck over his mind. And he's right. Um and and that pretty much plays a huge pivotal point towards the rest of the movie, uh, considering with Haro and Medfis. Uh Haro is then taken over to, by one of the Shobajin, who I, Tyler, I did not expect um, implied nudity in this movie, but you get, uh, you get it. how old is this girl again? I don't I don't I know, man. Very I, I I felt weird because like they're presented as young. And so, like, so basically, it's like a, it's like a bonding connection. Haruo is very much emotionally damaged uh, because uh, his friend is basically she's alive, but she's basically in a coma state because of the nano machine, the nano machines, the nano metals. So she's not really alive. Like she has, she's not gonna wake up. And she, spoiler, she doesn't wake up for the entire movie, even till the very end. Um, so. Uh, he starts to consort with. Uh, they have two distinct names, and they're, they're, you can tell them when you're watching the movie. But he goes with one of them, and it, they kind of have a nice bonding moment where Haruo is at his most vulnerable because now, in two instances, uh, he has failed to defeat Godzilla um, in both times in both very dramatic fashions. And basically, it comes about like, well, what does it mean to win? What does it mean to lose? And in her very primitive way of speaking, 
she kind of says, well, winning is surviving, you know, and losing is death, which is, you know, considering her culture, that's very true. Yeah. And and so basically she says, I want to make life with you. I'm like, wait, hold on. And yeah, she gets naked. And Whoa, lady, we just met. Yeah, and even Haro has that reaction. Like, oh, hold on, what are you, like, and I kind of, like, I don't know if he's just, it's from the trauma, but he goes, whoa, wait, what do you do? What do you want to do? I'm like, Haro, come on, dude. Like, I know you were in space for like 20 years, but like, you know what's going on. Um, did they do it? Cause I don't know. I can't tell if it's like implied or like she just got naked and they just, I don't know. It's I'd like to think they didn't because that shit is weird. Yeah. J- come on, Japan. Like why? Like if she looked older, that'd be one thing maybe, but like, we don't know exactly how old these girls are. It's weird, okay? It's the weirdest part of this movie. But we push past that um, to the point where Metheus is finally initialing, initializing his plan with the help of that green crystal thing. And he basic, and, and, and with the help of the other Shobujin. Um, and this coin, and I was going to call it the dragon coin, but it's not. Uh, the, the, the Ghidorah coin. Ghidorah Zord! There you go. Um, <laughs> Power Rangers nuts. Um, so, Medfi's we don't correct me if I'm wrong. We don't see him jam that shit in his eye, do we? Or it's like in plot, or like it's like off screen, because that's kind of uh, if if there was, I didn't see it, but right. I'm pretty so, sure he didn't. You find out later that Medfi's jams this coin up in his eye, and it's I actually think that scene where it reveals it because like you see his hand, and it's like wait, that's blood, and it's more blood, and then he turns. You never see the side of his face, and like oh shit, and then finally you see. Him with like it looks like he has a spider web in his eye, which is like a whole kind of like unsettlingness. Um, but Memphis in, incites his plan and basically starts a ritual where they start praying to Ghidorah uh, and God. I don't, I don't. You must be deep, deep in the cult because they're basically praying for death, um, and that that plays an important role from what the XF believe. Um, they start praying for death. They start praying for the coming King Ghidorah. They start praying for destruction, and you actually see a shadow. Uh, of King Ghidorah, which is very reminiscent of his Showa Heisei era self. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, Ouroboros Snake. A little bit, yeah, just with wings, you know, and it's and you hear uh, his his uh, Showa era <laughs> laugh. You know? it, yeah, you kind of hear it's a nice little nice little throwback there, um, and so basically. And we cut back to the atmosphere, uh, into uh, just outside the Earth's atmosphere, and all of a sudden, a fucking singularity. This is this is why I think that this movie is great because visually, it's the most stunning. I think, uh, in terms of what we've seen, uh, a singularity fucking breaks out in like right above the atmosphere, and this long golden and no, it's not Manda. Uh, starts uh, snake like thing starts coming out of it, and what's cr- and this is like the coolest part. Uh, and we, I don't want to go too much in Ghidorah's design, but I, I feel like I have to. Ghidorah, it comes out. It's Ghidorah, of course, because what else is golden and long in this in this franchise? And it starts innate wrapping around, like slowly wrapping around the ship. But their sensors can't peek it up. And we start, and we eventually we learn that Ghidorah is physically, is visually there, but it's not. It's not part of our reality. Yeah, because like it's it's odd because like we'll get into that as we get, as we move on, but basically the the uh, Ghidorah wipes out the uh, the transport unit, so they're all destroyed. In fact, it's and it's gruesome. Like it starts shaking a bit. You see a, a fucking huge ass like tr- like thing fall straight on a person's body. It's horrifying. Yeah, man, I wouldn't want to be in that situation. Yeah, and, and I feel like even though it's animation and sometimes in animation it's very difficult to capture scale, I really think they did a great job of capturing the scale 
of Ghidorah this time. I mean, it's, I mean, we already talked about how they captured the greatness of scale that is uh, Godzilla Earth. Oh, yeah. Uh, this Ghidorah is, from uh, our perspective, way bigger than any uh, version of Ghidorah we've seen so far. Technically, we haven't even seen this full body. Anyways, um, so uh, that leads to finally Ghidorah, or uh, the heads basically coming into the atmosphere. Um, and basically, like, all, everything's kind of causing, the storm's kind of crazy, because, of course, Ghidorah's always been, always been known as, like, a, not always been known, but, like, you know, gravity changes, everything starts to, fa- like, he, he's that powerful, he's starting to affect Earth's atmosphere and Earth's uh, ecosystem. And these three bubbles, like, this is, like, nightmare, like, fucking crazy shit. Three bubbles appear into the sky outside of, like, swirling holes in the, in the sky. And through what, oh, no, what's happening? Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Um, and so, uh, Ghidorah, one head of Ghidorah comes out, because Godzilla begins to stir, and he's like, the fuck is this bullshit? What is this? And, of course, what's the first thing Godzilla does? He shoots an atomic blast right at Ghidorah, and it fucking curves. It doesn't touch Ghidorah at all. It just curves. So oh, no, like- Ghidorah's channeling his wanted powers. Exactly. So then that Ghidorah slowly enable, wraps around Godzilla, bites him. Shortly thereafter, two more. And when I say Ghidorah is long, oh my god, this is a long bitch. Um, and so that ultimately, um, one the, the scientists who made that proclamation that we're only this this is all be like we're all basically feed for Godzilla. Um, but he basically makes the conclusion that because Ghidorah is not being read by the sensors, he's not part of this reality. Something must be anchoring him here just by the laws of science. And so Haruo draws two and two together. And of course, one of the Shobujin, uh, the other Shobujin, uh sister basically says like she's missing and knows that Medfis is the cause. And they dictate that Medfis is on this mountaintop. And that's where we have a dramatic uh, encounter between Haruo and and Medfis. And it basically, from then on point, becomes a battle of psychological wits. I'm curious how you felt about this section, Tyler. It kind of reminds me of uh, that uh, sequence in Final Fantasy VII when uh, they enter the live stream and go into Cloud's memories. A little bit, yeah, except not in the good way where Tifa's trying to bring him back, but rather... Uh, so, um, ha- ha- uh, basically, we learn... Uh, Medfis basically tells Haruo that, you know... He's an, like the it, look, we learned that the that the exit are are nihilists. They believe that destruction is inevitable and that the only way to accept one's real one's place in the universe is to accept destruction and that uh, humankind or or the or real people or things only reason to live is to destroy things to be destroyed. Once you become content with that, you become content with God, and that that's kind of like that's. I didn't think you could take a door in that direction, but they did. Yeah, that's not a direction I was expecting. And so uh, Haruo trying to stop Medfis, um, it basically uh, he basically puts him into I guess a hypnosis like state, and he's trying to break him down and to make him. I I, I don't know. I, it, this is the weird part because it seems like he's trying to make him like the avatar of Ghidorah, but it looks like Medfis is already that, or because he calls him like because he basically tells him several times throughout this section. You know, because of what you've done, because of your defiance of Godzilla and your hatred for Godzilla, um, Ghidorah is answering your call. Basically putting the blame on Haruo. 
Yeah, it is kind of weird, uh, seeing as how uh, Metfeast is pretty much uh, the anchor that uh, puts Ghidorah into their physical world. Yeah. Uh, it's, but it's... since Haro's the main character, they need him for reasons. Yeah, I, I think it's maybe like possibly subduing him because he knows Haro can stop him um, because of just his determination as the main character. But we get what we get is a, basically a psychological breakdown. And honestly, watching the previous two movies makes this even better because you see Haruo, um moments throughout his life. Like you see the what his name means. It means hope in spring, like references a flower. Um, you see, uh, you I think you actually see the Enola Gay going over Japan right before it drops the nuke, the uh, the atom bomb over Japan. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tyler. I think that's what they were. Referencing because they were all, they were in an old like B fifty two airplane. Yeah, that that seems about right. Okay, so like base and he basically says to Haruo, it's like all this is is, is your destiny. You're you know um, this is all you're doing, and it, it's like honestly in terms of like like and Haruo is outright shaken down like. It, it, like again, to, that's a perfect analogy, Tyler. It's pretty much like the cloud and final. I would say it's more akin to like cloud after he learns his identity in Final Fantasy VII. And I don't want to spoil that moment because you know the remake's out now. But we're like he's just shaken to his core and he doesn't know how to react. Um, luckily, we still have a certain other monster that is here. Um, the other uh, Shobajin who is not captured, uh, the one who slept, may or may not have slept with Haruo, takes a scientist to. Uh, their god and who is their god of course we called them last week it's mothra and we actually see the egg of mothra which i didn't think would happen when i first saw this yeah that was pretty sick but uh i'm pretty sure uh this mothra is pretty much just a imaginary manifestation uh rather than the actual monster itself well there was an egg right so it obviously is something physical and they did say in the last movie that the, the, the that their deity did battle with godzilla and died so it could be that it's just a long hibernation cycle and that Mothra just knows it can't beat Godzilla. Um, Probably. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's hard to say. We, you, don't, you don't see Mothra... Spoiler. You don't, unfortunately, you don't see Mothra only in the shadowy sense. So we cut back to Haruo um, on the Enola Gay. I'm assuming it's on the Enola Gay or one of the, one of the planes that bombed, that bombed Tokyo, and, which basically started all this nonsense. And so right as Haruo is like, kind of fully succumbing to Mephis' control... Uh, you hear Mothra's very familiar cry and just basically swoop in and destroy the plane. And uh, they manage to break into his memories and, you know, basically tell him to break free. And, and even then, Medfi still has his grips on him. Like, it, it, he's in there. Yeah, he in there. So, ultimately, Haruo manages to break free. Um, and, uh, he, he, and, like, it's, it's almost... <laughs> Here's and this is why I think it's flawed because we don't get enough time with Haruo and Medfis in the previous two movies to understand because it it seems like they were like very close. I mean there was enough scenes but like I never like obviously Haruo and Medfis had had a relationship a friendship in some way, you know. Yeah. Like like they like there were we scenes have, we have seen it substantially in the last two movies but not enough to uh, warrant something of this scale, I think. Yeah, it's it's like it's like two brothers coming to cross, but like like I said, it, what it's the what it what was presented it was mostly like a like a like a priest to a soldier relationship, not a brother brother relationship. Um, 
ultimately Haro finds the courage to basically break through and pretty much I first a second I thought he was gonna jam his eye into the coin that is uh that, that Mephi's put in his eye, but he doesn't He just he gives just, him a fucking three stooges eye boop. Yeah, boop um and but no, it just breaks from sheer will and of course that uh and meanwhile oh by the way, there is a fight, but there's not much of a fight. Um, meanwhile, Godzilla is still being entangled by Ghidorah, and Ghidorah is basically taking Godzilla away. It's not really clear, but because it doesn't. I have to go over. now. My planet needs me. Yeah, God, G- Ghidorah is basically absorbing uh, Godzilla into his reality, and uh, but once Hotaro breaks that sort of um, trance and breaks Mephisto's coin, Ghidorah is now in our reality. And that basically allows the Godzilla to fuck him up. Uh, one of them kind of just... One of them, I think, just slowly dissipates because they can't handle being in our reality. Godzilla manages to grab one of them and um, break its jaw like how King Kong would do, like the, like the dinosaurs in his movie. Uh, but, yeah, Godzilla only comes out on top because Hotaro managed to stop Medfeast at the right precise moment. How coincidental. So, um, Medfis is defeated, and Medfis dies, and uh, Hotaro cries in Medfis' arms. I, I think he feels remorse. Maybe he feels like he could have prevented Medfis from doing this way, and maybe he's just tired. Maybe it's just all the emotional stress of using Yuki, losing his family, losing his grandpa. By the way, we find out that it was uh, Medfis who is the reason why the ship exploded in the first movie. Um, and, and it was one of the uh, passengers. I even think it was his... his uh, Haro's own grandfather, uh, who willingly took the bomb onto the ship, and that's why it exploded. Um, which is like, like I think, wow. that, and that was the that was the point of Haro's sort of like, I'm broken. Um, so they all they ultimately win. It's a it's a hollow victory nonetheless. But Godzilla is still standing. He's he's still there. He didn't go away. And then it seems like everything is okay. Um, that maybe they'll just live a primitive lifestyle. And of course, Tyler, what have we learned in the course of watching 31 of these movies when it comes to science and man? Uh, what exactly have we? Because I'm not exactly sure what you're implying in this instance. Men can't help but fuck around with science. Um, they just can't help fuck around. So the scientists managed to find one of the one of the machines that they used in the last movie to fight Godzilla. And it still has nanometal. And he starts like, hey, if we can use this nanometal, we can use this to recreate Earth. And Hotterall has like a whole PTSD flashback. And it's not really clear because he hears Ghidorah's uh, cry in his head. He starts like freaking out. And Medfis, you hear he hears Medfis' head. And in his head, it's basically like the, the, the rye. Humanity can't help but build civilization. The only point of civilization is, is death. And so, and of course, once this is just, this just, Pause the moment, the moment of harvest, as he called it, as he calls it, the coming of Ghidorah. You only stellate it; it doesn't stop. Once humanity rebuilds itself, Ghidorah will just simply come back. So Haro, in a fucking just last ditch, fuck everything, gets both him and Yuki into the uh, into the uh, very Gundam wing s looking uh, Gundam, and flies directly towards Godzilla. Godzilla can just like is like. The fuck is this? I thought we were done. I thought like even I was I was like that. Haro at this point is just like Bison from the Street Fighter animated movie. I'll fight you on your own level. Pretty much, exactly. So Haro basically is like and like he like he basically flies it in, in an attempt to rid humanity of all um, 
technology and just like he even screams and at least in the english stuff destroy take the past with you and godzilla just obliterates haruo and 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 the ship and, and you he gets fucking haruo. bodied yeah, he just like and and obviously he knew that, right? He wasn't doing it to be like well, I'm I'm going to kill Godzilla. He, I think I think that to me shows his growth in that he was he was trying to save humanity versus satisfy his own vengeance at that point. Yeah. So, yeah, and then there is a post-credit scene um and uh Tyler, I'm curious what you thought about this post-credit scene. Um I thought it was kind of weird, because uh, since this is the end of the trilogy, uh, I wouldn't expect something like this, but uh, yeah, not sure about this one. Well, yeah, so basically, we cut back to the the tribe of Mothra. I I can't, sorry, I can't be bothered to remember the the real names of the the tribe, as far as I'm concerned, and... It's. It looks like to, I interpret it as, as they ba- that basically they Haruo became a god figure, like a myth, like a mythical figure, and that robot became a mythical figure. Um, and you can see these children praying to it, like basically, you know, how you would pray to a god. And you even see one of the Shobujin there, all old and wrinkly. And it looks like life just continues on with no technology. Like obviously, time has passed because of how old she is, and she doesn't look a day over the way she did when she first met Haruo. Uh, well, I mean, she does, but just more wrinkles. Um, I think that's what it means, honestly. Okay. That Haro's sacrifice wasn't vain, but at the end of the day, he did prove Memphis right that he becomes like this sort of cult-like figure um, at this point. Yeah, it, uh, t- I'm curious, Ty, what did you feel about this one overall? Um, I feel like this one is a bit on par with the last movie, but... Uh... It's just one of those things that you can't really uh, get on its own. You would have to go through the last two movies just to get what's going on here. Right, yeah. I think that's both the problem and the good thing because if you did watch the previous two movies and even though the first one wasn't that great, second one was a little bit better. And the third one, I think the third one does pay it off, honestly. But that means you have to have watched the first two movies or at least the first movie to get here and you may not be willing to make that pay that toll. Yeah, I think the... Cost doesn't justify the means. Right. Okay. I, I feel you. So let's talk about, like I said, this may not be a long episode, guys, because, um, you know, there's, I, I, how did you feel about, let me ask you this. How did you feel about the themes that, based, that, that whole psychological breakdown uh, where um, basically Medfis was just tearing Haruro down mentally? Um, it is a bit food for thought. Um, Honestly, I don't think it's as interesting as uh, the themes from uh, City on the Edge of Battle, but okay. it's still something to ponder on. Yeah, it's definitely interesting, and it, pr- it pretty much, I, to me, I like it because it, it goes back to the original idea of Godzilla that we, it's Godzilla is humanity's fault. Um, that the like he is our even Mephi says in the movie, um, Godzilla is our is 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 the earth, is revenge uh, against the Earth incarnate. Like he is our fault. Um, I, I like that it goes back to that versus like the like what the other two movies have been, um, where like it gets even though this Godzilla is completely different from what we've seen before, the ideas still say the same. It's it's our problem. Um, so let, let's go ahead and talk about the monster itself because there's only one. I guess we can talk about Mothra, um, but not much to say about Mothra. How do how, do you feel like we should have seen Mothra in the final fight, or do you think like it was uh, like or just having it there? Basically, being the psychological breakhold for Haro was enough. 
Um, I feel like uh, it would have been a bit stronger if uh, Mothra made an actual appearance to help Godzilla fight uh, King Ghidorah. Only because uh, the nostalgia in me, like, I want to see, like, a tri-monster fight, uh, right. which is a bit more than what we get here. Oh my god, definitely. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, but let's talk, let's talk about King Ghidorah. Uh, now, in terms of, we've, we've talked about various Ghidorah redesigns, and for the most part, he's still the same monster with the exception of GMK where he's just a little bit stunted. This is the most radically different King Ghidorah we've ever seen. Oh yeah, he's basically just a singularity that uh, exists in a completely different plane of existence. Yeah, he's an eldritch god. He's Cthulhu for all intents and purposes. He doesn't live yeah. in our reality. Um I I think it's cool. I like when I remember first watching this and they were scre- like the scientists were screaming like Wait, our senses are picking up, but Ghidorah's right there, but he's not there? But how, like, I I really like that idea, because I, I just like big science things. Like, things that you can't yeah. explain. It's such a cool idea. I mean, granted, you don't see the body, you don't see the wings. All you really see of Ghidorah is the three long necks and his heads. And I actually kind of like that his head doesn't look, like, there's no dragon features at all. It looks... It looks really unsettling when you get up close up shots of his head. It really looks like a worm more than a dragon, really, and uh, it definitely has this otherworldly look to it. Right. It's like it's and it's definitely golden. Like so, if you like gold, you'll like it. But um, it's I, I, I would say worm serpent like dra- like like a serpent more so than a dragon, like a snake um, than anything else. Uh, just because we don't you. Don't, Sorry guys, you don't you you see the the the, the shadow of what you were, of what Ghidorah should look like in terms of Ghidorah itself. You're not going to see like the big wings or the three heads together or, or gravity beams stuff like that. Um, you mostly just see the heads and yeah, I mean as as di- as different as Mechagodzilla was to this one, um, I kind of like that they just went in a completely different direction where he's more of a entity than a monster of itself. Yeah, it really sells the whole golden god idea. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and even adding the whole cult idea to him, like this religion that prays to his destruction, this basically religion of nihilists. I thought that was a nice touch because it kind of gives an even bigger. Because that's the most what like that's the one thing you don't really see with Ghidorah. Like we like he's just a monster. But I think having like people basically worship him for his, like to bring death, I thought that was really creepy. Like that whole section of them praying for death was really unsettling. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds yes. me of uh, the way that they summoned the Winged Dragon of Ra in the Yu-Gi-Oh anime, where you have to uh, say this chant in Egyptian. A little bit, yeah. And coincidentally, Winged Dragon of Ra is a golden god as well. So there you go. Yeah, there, there you go. All right, so let's talk about the fight because it's not really a fight. Um, so Godzilla, like I said, one of the cool—I mean, it opens up impressively enough where Godzilla tries to shoot the nuclear blast at Ghidorah, but it curves because Ghidorah's Ghidorah's not affected by reality, so it can't. Nothing can touch him. Godzilla can't touch him. Nothing can touch him. Because he is not of this plane of existence, but yet he's also invading our plane of existence. It's, it's a bit unclear, but I think that's what makes it interesting. Yeah, fuck your existence. I can do what I want. And so basically, Godzilla, uh, or Ghidorah, bite, with all three heads, bites down onto various Godzilla, uh, parts of Godzilla, rather. 
and is they're slowly draining him. In fact, the, the scientists basically say that like the temperature rating for Godzilla is going down. Um, but of course, they make the note that like uh, one of the scientists even gets excited. Wait, wait, does this mean Godzilla's going to be gone? Because silver linings, right? Um, and of course, the, the main scientist uh, is basically like, uh, yeah, but then the whole planet it's going to just envelop the whole planet. Like that's just the beginning, you know. Um, but yeah, guys, it, like if you're looking for a classic monster brawl. This ain't it. Yeah, there is no fight here. Like, again, you get a little bit of action when Godzilla breaks one of the jaws of the... and uh, when, he, when when Ghidorah becomes tangible. But it's... Yeah, I remember people, people being very disappointed because it was more of a... It was more of a battle of ideas, <laughs> literally, versus a battle of, of monsters. Yeah, in that respect, uh, I can kind of respect it, but as a monster fight, it's extremely weak. Yeah. Um, all right, Tyler, I think we should wrap it up. Uh, I think before we do that, let's give our quick thoughts on the Netflix trilogy as a whole as an experiment. Um, was Do you think it was successful or unsuccessful, in your opinion, in what you consider a Godzilla movie? I consider this a bit of a mixed bag, honestly. Like, there yeah. are some neat ideas here, and... Uh, I think uh, some of the action set pieces are pretty good, but what really hurts this trilogy is it takes a while for it to get going, and uh, yeah, it's it's a bit of a slow slog, uh, and especially in the first movie's case where it just throws all this techno jargon at you, and you you really have very little understanding of uh, where to uh, how to, um, what to latch onto, or uh, and the main characters aren't really that interesting either uh it's not until the very end where uh the ideologies come to light and but again it takes a while to get there so i don't think it's worth the payoff yeah i tend to agree i think it's an interesting experiment and maybe if you're open to the idea of godzilla being something radically different from what we've seen especially considering you and i have been watching these movies for the better part of almost what 35 40 weeks maybe you know something like that Um, uh, yeah, I I think ultimately it doesn't land, but I do, I wouldn't mind rewatching it again if I was in the right mindset, obviously not all the time, just because there's interesting ideas here to have. All right, let's, let's put a, I think let's put this in the books. Uh, let's go ahead and, uh, put a rating on it. Tyler, what do you give Godzilla the Planet Eater? I'll give this one a three out of five, just like the last one. This was, uh interesting way to end this trilogy the idea of having Ghidorah be an abnormality from an altered dimension is a unique twist on the monster but it doesn't fight Godzilla proper and it's kind of disappointing given their long-standing rivalry Metaphys's uh rationale of living to die for something greater isn't as interesting to me as the moral question of the last film that said I kind of prefer City on the Edge of Battle over this one and for the trilogy as a whole, it's a painfully slow slog that has some neat ideas and questions that I find difficult to recommend, in all honesty. I'll give it a three also. I think it's visually the best movie. I like what they did with Ghidorah, but ultimately, everything you said is pretty much mirrors what I said. It just it becomes more of a battle of ideas versus like a traditional Godzilla movie. Maybe if you're not into Godzilla, and maybe you just see this randomly, and this is your first Godzilla movie, maybe you, you might like into it. But even then, I think the slowness of the movies ultimately hurt it more than anything else but i will give you i will agree with you in that the question that the bill of saluto posted that will you become a monster to defeat 
to, to, will you ascend humanity to become a monster to defeat a monster? Much more interesting to like what Matthews is talking about because Matthews is talking about nihilism at the end of the day. All right, yeah. um, let's. Uh, any other notes that we missed, Tyler, or, or, is, or are we good on that? Oh, what stupid bullshit did I write on here? Um, nope. That's about it. All right. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Now we are officially entering the final four movies of Atomic Shot. Uh, and uh, to confirm it, we have confirmed with both our two other podcast uh, teammates, Justin and Thomas of Chartshot.com, uh, when we'll be doing our watch along for Shin Godzilla. Uh, so, um, yeah, look forward to that. That'll probably happen after our official review. So we'll probably do our official review first, release it at least, and then we'll release uh, the watch along for you all to enjoy with us. Um, which that'll be fun to do in recording <laughs> when I tell, when we when we do that when we do that when we do this. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, like I said, we are entering the final four movies. We're finally here. The MonsterVerse is upon us. It's taking us yes a long time. So, ladies and gentlemen. Godzilla has been dormant since 2004 It's been a decade since we last saw them And now he's in the hands of America once again Ladies and gentlemen uh, Thank you for listening for this episode of the podcast And we'll see you all for next week For Godzilla 2014 Until next time Go go Godzilla I'm gonna go renounce my religion now